Welcome to another episode of Tusk Talk. Uh, I'm Sean O'Brien, and I am joined by uh, two-time top eight Star City competitor Josh Megadeuce Hand and Bayou aficionado Evan Nyquist, otherwise known as Himu. How are you guys doing? Doing great. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Grand Prix Louisville, and since you were the only two who uh, had the intestinal fortitude to play an entire day of Legacy, and both of you did reasonably well and were in contention for a day or so, um, I thought we'd talk about the GP, talk about how uh, sort of Wizards handled it, the lead-up to it, and then you guys can maybe talk about the decks you chose um, and then sort of walk through the event. And then we also have a um, uh, we had a ban and restricted. I, I would call it a debacle, but uh, an early ban and restricted uh, announcement after the GP, and uh, a change to how they're going to do that in the future. So, um, first thing that's interesting about this GP is that there was no coverage. Literally, some text on the internet, um, which was interesting because it was hosted by Star City Games, who's fairly proficient at covering magic. Actually, I would call them one of the pioneers of streaming magic. Uh, honestly, their tour started streaming on you on uh, Ustream, Justin TV. Um, they have a staff dedicated to streaming their stuff week to week. They have somewhat experienced commentators. Um, you know, there was internet at the venue. There was sufficient lead time, but... Uh, instead of covering this Grand Prix, the only standalone legacy Grand Prix this year, I also might add, they chose to cover the, I'm going to fuck up the acronym, the Super Sunday Series? Yes, that is it. So um, this tournament is a tournament for losers who scrub out in the GP and play standard on Sunday. And then at the end of the year, or I guess the beginning of this year, they all these losers come and play a giant tournament of fucking losers, and they streamed that instead. And I believe, and I may be wrong here also, that this tournament series is dead. This, they're not even going to have yes. this anymore. And it's called yeah. Super Sunday Series. Super, yeah, it's Super Sunday Super Series. Super Cowboy Hat! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they Toyota canceled thon. it. They canceled it like in advance of them telling that they're gonna, you know, stream that. So they chose to stream an event they already knew was dead instead of Legacy. So Which- a few things. One, as I understand it, and as was later confirmed by the ban and restricted announcement, st- uh, Type Two sucks right now. Like it's miserable, and there's <laughs> some fucking miserable dominating deck. And they actually cite that reason in their ban and restricted announcement that standard currently sucks goat cock and it needed three restriction or three bands to be fun yet they're streaming it yeah it doesn't really make sense to me they banned three cards that are i mean i'm not a standard player but i don't think they're all necessarily in the same deck either it's not like when jason stoneforge got banned or all the affinity lands it's just three good cards from standard got banned so Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. So, like, I think they're doing it from a business perspective where they're like, you know, we want to push cars, obviously, self-pack, blah, blah, blah. I think there's only, like, one real legacy, like, event like this. It's, you know, like, kind of the spectacular event. And then, like, they're kind of losing out on showing off the history of the Magic cards uh, and, like, kind of, like, showing the depth of the game 
that they only get like a small opportunity to do, to do like each year. Um, and it, I feel like they lose out on kind of diversifying like their game is like how they present it to people and how they can show like the depth of the game as a whole, which might interest people. And I don't think it really hurts sales so much. It's like a light marketing push to just show the complexity and depth and history of their game, which I think is important from a marketing perspective, you know? I think you're right. Yeah. And I think additionally, it shows people that if they play this game for 15 years, that their cards will be worth money. You know, right. your investment in this game is not, it's not like playing Force of Will or Bukaki Bukaki Power Battle, whatever the latest fucking shitty anime card game is, it's going to go out of business in two years. You know, you've got, you got a fold. One, one other thing is how much overlap, honestly, do you think there is for a viewer? I mean, if you're into standard, you'll just watch that. I think the people who really would carve out their weekend Sunday to watch Legacy, very few of them would likely be interested in watching standard. I feel like anyway, I think there was a a good enough spread on dividing out some of the audience. Uh, It's just such a premier event. And with SCG, just, I feel like it seemed like they were kind of open armed. I thought I saw like a a tweeter tweet, whatever, like the same that, you know, like we'll stream it if uh, you know, wizards allows us to or whatnot. And just seems crazy that they didn't allow it just to happen. Like, if there's a, if there's some sort of damage in viewership, it's really not that substantial at the end of the day, especially at one time a year. With arms wide open. Yeah, sorry, I dropped there's the call there. Sadness, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the other thing is, uh, I I read on. Somebody posted somewhere that they said that the issue or the crux of the problem was that they were not going to allow Star City to run their own ads during the breaks, that that was the deal breaker. So there was some pushback against Star City, but to me, that's still a Wizards of the Coast issue. You know, they're dictating to Star City what they can and can't show on their stream. And I don't even believe that Star City at any point was asking for the Wizards Twitch channel. Like they would, they would use their own Twitch channel, I presume, right? right. So they're telling them they can't run their own ads on their own Twitch channel on their own, <laughs> on their own broadcast that they're paying for. Um, just seems like they're going. Like it just, I can't. I know I'm being salty about it, but I can't figure out who benefits. You know what I mean? Like, I think, never- um, go ahead. I, well, I, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's. It doesn't really seem to make sense, and I think it even looks bad, you know, a year after, not even a year, six months after they uh, released Eternal Masters, that you're not going to show off, you know, this set that you've just designed, and you just screw it, it's dead, but you just released a set that presumably sold fairly well, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I mean, if they're on camera, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you have a bunch of camera matches, and and you'd likely have seen a lot of Eternal Masters cards. God knows there's you know, a bajillion of those heinous-looking wastelands and uh, <laughs> floating around. Leo. Yeah, uh, yeah, Leovold, new cards. And here's the thing, too, that, that totally looks totally looks ridiculous. A bunch of their fucking uh, Platinum Pros top-aided. Like, three guys who had the triple-buy Platinum Pro fucking gold pass top-aided. 
So it's I mean, like those are the heroes of your game. They top aided, and nobody got to saw these guys play, right? And Dude. play with cards that you can buy in packs right now. Like Reed Duke was playing Leovold. Right. Yeah, yeah. Duke Reed was playing Leovold. The the Death and Taxes guy was playing basically that whole deck you can buy, right? Oh, uh, Death and Taxes. You can get Wastelands, uh, Vials, right? All that crap. Yeah, and so it, it's kind of pie in the face. I, I know there was a Twitter war about uh, or a Twitter hashtag that got a little bit of momentum. I'd rather watch Legacy. You know, so I, I think they're aware of the of a significant portion of their customer base. Not significant. I should I shouldn't say that. At least a reasonable amount of people noticed that they kind of went out of their way to stymie the coverage. And uh, yeah, I think it just sucks. You know, it's it's uh, bad for the it's bad for Magic. Period. So I'm not going to even say it's bad for the format because legacy players know legacy and they're going to go play legacy regardless. The attendance proves it. But like, it's just bad for magic, you know? Yeah. Did anybody uh, see the viewership numbers or anything on the Super Sunday series? I don't even know how well that did. Yeah, I don't know either. And I don't even think viewership numbers matter that much because, dude, there are nights when like Barbie Magic Island outdraws, you know, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> It's you know their their numbers on Twitch are are just always going to get absolutely just mule fucked by League of Legends and any video games because they do such a piss poor job. But um, I just think it, it you know again Star City was going to foot the bill. Star City was going to bring the equipment. Uh, Watsy literally had to lift no finger <laughs> to allow this GP to be streamed, and you know apparently they put the kibosh on it. So I, I just think that's terrible. Yeah. All right, so that was the that was the coverage issue, which we all think sucks. Um, and uh, the venue is not ideal; it's in a, a, like a livestock um, convention center, expo center, out in Louisville near the airport. So that that was kind of a, a bummer. I, I guess the upside was the hotels were reasonably cheap, and uh, I always felt like I had space. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't cramped, so th- those were positives. Uh, what'd you guys think of the venue? <laughs> like a giant barn. Uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of space, which I liked. Like the ceilings were high. Um, just a lot of overall space in general. It seemed like there was like tables you could lounge out at. You know, most of the time that I was there. Yeah, uh, I never felt crowded at all. I mean, that place was a fucking cavern. Cavern on ox. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, definitely. Vendors, yeah. The vendors were a little iffy, I think, as far as the price tags on stuff. Um, I wasn't totally impressed. I still picked up some things, but it seemed like everything was a little bit overshot as far as like the pricing went. Um, I still picked up some stuff, but you know, I was kind of feeling like, oh, you just get this online for like you know, ten percent cheaper. Yeah, I didn't see anything amazing. The bathrooms have showers there, though. So um, if you, like, shart in the middle of the tournament or something and you need to freshen up, there's actual showers, which was pretty sweet. I don't know if anybody took advantage of that. (laughs) So, yeah, for me, the big thing was, like, A, the chairs were super shitty on, like, three-fourths of the venue. So when day one, when we were playing there, uh, they set us over in the one-fourth of the venue that had great chairs. And then day two, they inexplicably decided to move us to the shitty chair section. 
and I think after round two, they just started wheeling chairs over there in bunches to switch them out. I just carried a chair over there myself, but I didn't understand why they moved us all over and then moved the chairs as well, so just moving the tournament back. Um, I mean, the good thing is, is there aren't many overweight Magic players, so it probably wasn't that much of a problem. That and uh, the bathrooms. There was probably six stalls you could take a shit in in the whole... <laughs> And the showers. Yeah. And I I think, because I drank a fair amount Friday night, and I had to just shit my pants when round one started. And I don't think I got to take a shit until round eight because I just did not finish a round at time. <laughs> I think I remember over hearing you saying something about having to take a shit. Yeah, multiple times, probably. Well, that sounds miserable. I was able to, uh, as far as shitting went, that was one thing that worked out for me at the at this uh, GP. I, I went just to play vintage, so um, I, I I decided to play the vintage events on Friday. If I could score some buys, I I might get motivated to play on Saturday. But uh, then I started thinking about it, and the final I was three zero in one of the vintage trials, and I I scooped uh, Tusk Ally Greedy Mike into round four because he was absolutely going to play because I just said to myself, you know what? Even if I 4-0 this, get the buys. I, there's no chance of me getting on camera. I just don't even want to play. It just pisses me off. So so I scooped to him, and then he promptly lost in the fourth round like a scrub uh, to not get buys. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk a little bit about the decks that you guys chose. You guys were uh, going to play – uh, regardless of, of what happened on Friday with the buys. So why don't we just go in alphabetical order? Evan, talk, talk a little bit about the deck that you chose and then um, sort of give us, you know, just a short description of where you feel like you, you made some key differences versus maybe how the archetype is typically built. Yeah, so I went with uh, Dark Depths. Um, and uh, basically, the, you know, the, gra- the green, green black turbo version um, – you know, also known as Merocracy, uh, also known as Turbo Depths. Um, basically, in my build, I was playing a Bob in the main board uh, and also one extra library. So I had two libraries and one Bob. Um, I chose this because I was trying to go for a little more of like a resilient deck. Um, I was a little worried about the all-in strategy with some of the decks that I was uh, kind of assuming that I was going to be running into. So I wanted to have basically a backup plan where I could rebuild my strategy or just continue to just keep throwing merit lasers at them um, while still also having protection at hand. What uh, what fast mana did you play? I know some of them play like Pedal and Spirit Guide or like Richard yeah. Pedal Spirit Guide. I was also I was also playing three Abrupt Decays in my main, <clears throat> and I was playing four Needles in my main. Um, I was going with three needles at first with four abrupt decays, but I thought four needles would be stronger with an abrupt decay in my sideboard. Um, with my fast mana, which helps, you know, push out decays fast, my library, Sylvan Scrying, etc. cetera. Uh, doing actually three Lotus Petals. I chipped one out. Uh, and then I had also was running the four Elvis Spirit Guides, which is traditional. <clears throat> and that actually pushed out a lot of bobs on turn one or library, uh, which actually I think definitely won me games in a lot of circumstances. Uh, even like I had like one game where I had mauled down to, like I think it was four. And I just turned one to library 
And so it was, it was a keep and uh, just went to my turn. I was playing aggro loam, I found out. And I just, top three cards brought me there. They had my combo and protection and just, you know, pay eight ancestral. And, you know, I was ready to go. And he abruptly decayed my Sylvan library on his turn, but it was too late. Before the event, what did you, what did you think you were soft to before the event? Um, what I thought I was soft to was going to be uh, DNT. Uh, I felt was a tough matchup. Um, I brought in a couple massacres into my sideboard for that match specifically. Um, Eldrazi was one that I was not 100% confident on just because of how fast they are. Sometimes they can just go a little faster. It's definitely kind of a race. Um, also, if they're running Chalice, I have to be aware of that. Uh, I use Hex Mage sometimes to take out their Chalice or bring it to zero, should I say. Uh, Storm was another one, um, and I did not bring Null Rods, which I regret now. Um, that's usually one of the cards I, I carry in my sideboard traditionally. Um, I pushed away on that. A lot of that was based on, you know, I was bringing in four Leyline of the Voids due to a lot of the black-red reanimator kind of scare that was going on on the floor and just seeing that a lot on the tables uh, before the main event. Yeah, that deck had... Uh surged recently and is reasonably cheap compared to some of the other stuff so i know thinking when i was thinking about it i was thinking in terms of you know you're trying to get out of those first three rounds where it's a little bit of a hodgepodge of uh of decks you know with the the way the buy system works so cool so josh what did uh what did you choose uh i chose to play maverick um Pretty bad. There's the green, white, black version. I didn't really do too much crazy. Uh, I only played three Thalias, which turned out to probably be a mistake because I played against so many just 12 million cantrip decks, and I never seemed to find Thalia for some reason. You don't, um, lick, otherwise, you don't lick your Thalias and lick your Thalias to your death rights? No, as a poor man, I don't want to lick my cards. They'll lose value. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I play, and then I played like a Batter Skull over a Sword of Fire and Ice, which is slightly different, I guess, from normal Maverick lists. And then, of course, the the one of Rogue's Passage, which no one else except for three Atlanta players play in their deck. Rogue one. Rogue one. Rogue one got there a couple times. So, what uh, what were you thinking you were soft to before the event? I know you tested with that deck quite a bit, and you've been playing it almost nonstop for two or three months now. Yeah, um, things I don't feel great about, Miracles, which is probably a poor choice to bring to the tournament if I feel bad against that deck. Um, I don't know, they just have Terminus, and it's a very good card. Million removal spells. Uh, That and Fast Combo feels pretty bad, and Shardless Bug kind of feels 50-50, depending on if the other player is any good or not. But sometimes they just Ancestral twice, and it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Um... Yeah, but combo I felt pretty good as long as it wasn't Belcher or anything because I've been testing against the black-red reanimator deck because everybody in Atlanta plays it now, it seems like, and it feels in my because they don't just turn one Grizzle Brand every game with a Chancellor backup and such. Yeah, I think that deck with its Chancellor nut draw is basically Fairy Macabre bust to stop them. Like Their best draw, if everything lines up, is kind of ridiculous. 
Um, were there any other decks that you considered, or was it uh, uh, was it Maverick or Bust? Um, I considered playing Enchantress, but it's kind of sucks, and especially since I played Friday and the uh, I was trying to get a buy in one of the four rounders and deck just shit on me, and I remembered why I would never play it in a big event. And then I also considered Borrowing Storm, but fuck it, I didn't feel like going through all that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so the event. So uh, I don't know how much you guys have in terms of notes, but uh, maybe uh, back to Evan. You want to walk us sort of through your event, sort of round by round, if you whatever you can recall uh, uh, from the Saturday. Uh, yeah. So on. I mean, I did the side event the day before, and I went three one. I lost to Show and Tell, and that's when I realized that there might be a little bit of weakness to Show and Tell, or at least like a fifty fifty match. So I tested with Humphreys a bunch the day before, and it continued to be 50-50. But I lost to Show and Tell uh, in round four uh, for my winning end for the battle for a buy or whatever the hell it was. Um, and on Saturday, I went in, and I had no buys. And I took out uh, Burn uh, in game in the first, first round. Uh, Game two, he beat me. He had a couple ensnaring bridges in his hand. I dressed one away, and I couldn't take care of the other one. And then, you know, whatever killed him. Uh, after that, uh, went on to play, I think, Agrolome. Uh, beat that. Uh, following that, I went on to play a, a bug deck, and I lost to that. <clears throat> It was like a that four-color Delver sort of deck, and he just got surgical at the right time, uh, top-decked it, and I just didn't see it coming. Uh, went on, beat Shardless, uh, continuing on from there. On to beat... I mean, I was 5-1, and one, and I sat down next to Josh Hand, oh, cast here. And I played I was playing against like a Deathblade deck of some sort. Uh Josh, what were you facing at that time? Um, let's see, I think we both won those rounds. Yeah. Uh, I think that was my Dex's match, I wanna say. Yeah. So that was Deathblade. I was surprised I yeah. I, I didn't see any miracles the whole day. Which was uh. I dodged miracles as well. Um, somehow, I guess they were all at the top tables and we weren't. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the losses are what kind of sticks out to me more than the wins. Um, I was just kind of flying through. A lot of people didn't seem too familiar with the deck, and there's a couple people that were completely familiar with the deck. I beat actually I beat Tess right before. So yeah, I beat Tess was my next one before the Deathblade deck. Uh, I just got him with Bog uh, when he was going for Past and Flames, and he was done for. And actually, in game two, <clears throat> I just killed him with uh, two Hex Mages and a Spirit Guide, and just, just stripping his hand away and just swinging in with my dudes. Is just He realized what was going on after I cast my second Hex Mage with no Dark Depths anywhere near. That had to be fucking completely humiliating for him just to get his ass beat by fucking elf spirit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Swinging for two, swinging for four, swinging for six. And then right before I could swing it again, he just scooped. 
I mean, what is he even thinking when he's getting his dick kicked? I mean, he's just like, it's just humiliating. I like you know? ghost quartered his swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was his only black source. <laughs> and he nice. didn't have I know he didn't a swamp in his deck, so I think that really fucked him up. Um, but anyways, I, uh, the ones that I think struck me is when I, you know, obviously went downhill uh, rather quickly. Um, Karn, once, uh, Karn once said, one cannot cleanse the wounds of failure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, save the table, 5-1, sat next to Eldrazi, and he gets me on game one, uh, just going psycho. Uh, I just, I'm just not fast enough. I had a good hand, but it was, wasn't Eldrazi fast. You know, mimic. Well, actually, I should rewind. This is a good point. Uh, I actually played Urborg first to dress him, and I had Dark Depths and Hex Mage in hands. It looked like a pretty quick kill. Really something to work with. And my Urborg actually turned on his, you know, Eldrazi mana, his eye. Ah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so he was able to get out Reality Smasher faster than normal, which actually led to him being able to kill me a turn quicker. Oh. So that was one thing that I noted. Uh, the other thing that I, in game two, he kept the hand that had like chalice and wasteland and, uh, I got down, oh, I, I duressed his, uh, his chalice away and then he used lotus petal to put out a needle on wasteland and then the rest of his hand was pretty much garbage and then I just killed him and then game three, uh, it was kind of a race and he, I basically got rid of – he had an uh, Endbringer in hand. Uh, after I arrest him, I couldn't – I didn't have the Thoughtsies. And, uh, yeah, I ghost quartered his soul land away, and he top-decked another soul land, was able to cast Endbringer in time. Uh, and I just can't really deal with Endbringer because, uh, you know, your Merrillage cannot attack, your Merrillage cannot block, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat Icy Manipulator either. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, actually. Yeah, soft to icy. Uh, uh, and then there was, I lost to, uh, following that, I lost to uh, Tess. Just turn two tendrils, then turn one tendrils, and I'd lay line out. What it was, the fuck? It was just Man. totally fucked up. And I, <laughs> I, just, I turned one. I just, Turn zero ley line, turn one Sylvan Library, uh, with Urborg and then Depths and Hex Mage in hand. Like it was just psycho. Like it was just like I can't put this I can't mulligan this, you know? And yeah. it's just still fucking dead. Like tendrils too, not goblins. So it's just ugh. Um and then uh I lost to uh show and tell. That was your. That was, that was your. Yeah, I was gonna say that was one of the, the dying loss. It was just a show and tell. And that was. Uh, I had basically. It was in down to game three. Uh, I got rid of all of his threats, and uh, like I had dressed away. Like he had like a scalding tarn in hand and a scalding tarn out, and show and or show and tell and an emerald and a through the breach and garbage, and I. Got rid of his show and tell. I got rid of Emrakul, and I put a pithy needle on Scalding Tarn that was in his hand. So, yeah. <laughs> and and I had the combo ready to go, and he uh, 
just top deck Blood Moon, and I could not. Yeah. I had I had the green source and I had the black source after two turns, um, and uh, I just I couldn't find one of my four abrupt decays or two of my crossing grips, and he just eventually like, you know, fucking show and tell, game plan down, you know, sneak attack, fucking shit on you through. He just you know started drawing all his pieces shortly after, so that was that. But uh, I had a good time. Everyone was cool. You know, uh, actually, everyone was really cool. And, uh, yeah, it was fun to play people from different regions and, you know, get kind of that uh, that long run going. So definitely do it again. What uh, what were your uh, wounds and final death to, Josh? Do you remember? Um, Let's see. Oh, for one, I, I do remember when we sat next to each other, Evan, you played against that Deathblade guy, and I remember him being really pissed off because I think – you not of this world to win and then the third game you crop rotated for Sajiri step and he just like wanted to flip the table but he should have saw it too because I could have set it off when I, I, I had two sources out and just I just had the natural combo or whatever sitting on the table and I didn't activate it at the end of his turn and I just played another yeah. land cast, and he should have realized that that was, I didn't even have anything sneaky. I didn't have, like, uh, Elvis Spirit Guide in my hand, you know? Like, it was just – it was obviously I was setting up for protection. Yeah, he, I just remember him being very salty about it. Yeah, and I just – I was like – he's like, well, you gained 20 life. And I was like, uh, I'm actually going to respond. <laughs> <laughs> actually, instead of gaining 20 life, I'm going to send you home, you fucking tub of shit. <laughs> Oh, people are so fucking lame in Magic. I mean, it's like it's not basketball, man. You don't have to, like, run your mouth, you know? Like, come on, buddy. You know what's funny is, like, I wonder if he even knows. He he probably just didn't even understand the the heuristics of that deck. I mean, in the Atlanta area, we've had the pleasure of playing against it enough to where, like, we each know what the little game of chicken is, you know? When When you decide to main phase it versus when you're you're doing it on the opponent's turn, right? And, like, but I'm sure he hasn't experienced that that heuristic. Like, when does the depths player go for it on your turn? When do they main phase it? That kind of thing. So he had no, probably had no idea that, that you were actually waiting on protection. Right. Yeah. Because you, you didn't have the experience of getting fucked by it before. So... So what did you die to, Josh? You, d- you died, of course, to variance because you don't play Brainstorm. And then what else? Yeah, um, let's see. The first day I played against... The first loss was to show and tell because game one... Actually, I won game one despite drawing Mother, Mother, Dryad Arbor, Thalia. He forced my Thalia, and I just beat him down with two moms and a Dryad Arbor, and he just never found something, I guess. I don't know. He just died. But it was it was like turn one, play mom, and he goes like volcanic ponder, and I'm like, oh, you're on show and tell. I guess I'm going to start bringing the beats. But then game two, I crush him, and game three, I think I mold a five or six and have duress, swords to plowshares, mom, some, some shit hand, and I just never saw another spell, so... I eventually died. Hmm. Um, I lost to that super duper greedy four color Leovold brainstorm ponder death right deck that has a million removal spells and painful truths because 
a deck with creatures that has no card advantage can never in a million years beat that. I mean, you just wasteland the fuck out of them, but for <laughs> some unknown reason, I guess eight cantrips and four death rites can hold together a deck with 18 lands and four wastelands. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he had Trop, Trop Underground Sea Death Rite cast Colligan's Command on you, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of miserable. Uh, I don't understand uh, that deck. To me, I, I mean, it can't survive in Atlanta, but I get. I guess I get why it does well at these big events. I know there were a couple of copies of it in the top thirty-two. Yeah, it's, it, it's super duper greedy. I think Andrew Wright was playing Painter. He said he lost to it like twice. I don't know how, but sometimes they just force your boon and you die. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, against a one threat opener from a deck like that some i mean sometimes you just lean on your blood moon or your whatever and if it just gets forced they're going to cantrip into business and you're going to draw a uh, soul lands so <laughs> yeah that was uh that was my loss i think i was seven and one at that point and that was the last round of gate day one so that knocked me to seven and two and then going to day two i Let's see, I faced Belcher round one, which fucking surprised the shit out of me. And he just goes, like, make 14 goblins turn one, pass. I draw, see that I'm not ever in a million years beating that, and just scoop, don't show him anything. He boards in, I know he boarded in a pyroblast, because I duressed him on turn one and saw it in his hand, so he pinned that under a chroma box. But I think I, I duress, took his win condition, landed a Teague and Thalia and beat him. And then game three, game three is when he molds the six, has to pass. I go turn one, draw Pithing Needle like a chimp, name Belcher. He makes 12 goblins on his turn, and then I have Zealous Persecution the whole time and blow his <laughs> asshole out. <laughs> then I misplayed against Bug the next round. I just played like shit, even though I knew everything in his hand and all that. Lost to him, and then I just lost to Show and Tell because I molded the five in game three, and it was a Gaddock Teague hand, and he found the Pyroclasm. So, oh uh, yeah, that fucking blows. Yeah, at that point, fuck it, let's drop. I don't. Especially seeing that all these people like went, you know, twelve and three or whatever, and didn't get anything. Well, I saw some people fucking crying about that. I mean. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're just upset that you didn't get a prize because you played Legacy for two days and didn't win the event, I don't know. That's why you're playing to obtain EV. You're at the wrong GP, I mean. But, yeah, I mean, GPs are just bad. And, so. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're bad EV to quote a tax man. I, I, I get that it's frustrating to play two days of Magic and not make, quote-unquote, make any money, but, like, if you're viewing Eternal as an opportunity to make money, you're stoned. It's just never going to pay <laughs> out, you know? Yeah. I think it's just, like, another... The big thing is, like, you not only do you play for two days, but you win 80% of your matches, and then you get, like, rewarded with nothing. It kind of... It's just, like... I don't know. I mean, the whole, thing, the whole thing's a fucking fisting, though. It's $75, right, for a playmat that the vendors were barely buying for 20 and a progenitus that you might as well set on fire. Like, yeah. No, yeah. People said the vendors at one point weren't even, they wouldn't even take them for $5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I saw some people crying about that. Whose whose names I will withhold, but whatever. Anyway, there was plenty of side events. I mean, there was. I mean, I would say overall, Star City, besides maybe the playmat being kind of lame, like doing the reprint art for an Eternal GP to me isn't that compelling. But that's just my personal taste. Well, what's weak is like I I paid for the event like you know three four weeks maybe a month plus in advance or whatever. I don't get the mat, and then like people who signed up early, like dropped or like got refunded and got to keep the mat. Yeah, that's pre- that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, uh, man. But you know, whatever. It's not a big deal because I just sell the mat anyways for credit. But yeah, I don't know anybody who is interested in keeping the the mat. Yeah, uh, I agree with you though on the art. Like, I'm surprised they went with like this new expedition art over just the original Lotus Petal, but probably something to do with paying out the artist for rights. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. They do have to pay royalties when they use uh, old art, so that's probably it. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. The older stuff, not the newer stuff. Uh, the uh, like A lot of the artists now are going through Ultra Pro to get their playmats like uh, Schuler, Frazier... Mark Poole all have playmats coming out from Ultra Pro. Uh, Schuler did Sarah Angel, Demonic Tutor. Frazier did Mox, Sapphire, and Jester's Cap. Uh, Mark Poole is doing Library. He's going to do one a year. He's going to do Library and then Birds and maybe Recall. You also have to find an actual salvageable scan, you know, of the art as well. But, uh, should be pretty sick as those guys, as the artists start to um, put out playmats of some of the real, you know, the original art of magic should be pretty sick. So, Jester's Cap is going to be fucking sick as hell. That's awesome. Yeah, he had him there at the event. I didn't see that, damn. Yeah, it's pretty. I love capping people, dude. I love. There's nothing more <laughs> exciting than capping an oath player. It's fucking brutal. Play with some welder, get there. Yeah. I tinkered for Cap against Zach once when he was on Storm, and I just took his tendrils and, and his two favorite cards. I have a picture of it somewhere. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, all right, so that's sort of the event proper. And then um, I guess you guys, you know, based on what you played, you know, was there anything you'd change about your deck? You, you mentioned playing the full four Thalias, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's because – the problem is in Atlanta, obviously, there's so many chalice and such that Thalia is pretty worthless a lot of times. So I've been playing three forever, and I didn't think about the fact that I'm not going to play against Chalice of the Void every other round, so I should just play four Thalia. Mm. But she was definitely a card that I wanted to see a lot and just didn't. And I saw my two ofs and one ofs a lot, so it just kind of got the ass into variance all day, I guess. But... Yeah, that was a thing, and then, like, the night before the tournament, I changed out the Rising Canopy for uh, Rogue's Passage, won me a game that I would have certainly lost otherwise, so that was a good change. Going Rogue. How about you, Evan? Would you change anything out of your uh, deck, sideboard, or main? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking it might be just better to go in on a straight all-out kill. Um in game one, and then just have a sideboard uh, full of uh, 
uh, a slower paced game. And I noticed in the top 32 list, the guy was playing actually four bobs in his sideboard. This is something I've done in the past and something I think might be a good route. Um, I, I do feel like abrupt decay and, you know, card engines are great in, in the first game, but in a bigger field like that, I was just surprised at how many people just didn't know what the fuck was going on with my deck. I still, I figured that like after eternal weekend, people had kind of caught on, but people are still kind of out of the loop. Um, so I think just going for a big straight kill in turn one might be the way to go. Mm. Um, I also consider like two Caracas at this point, um, just to kind of draw into one and just to obviously have one as backup, uh, just because they try to do like a two a two swing uh, sneak attack or something. You can you know have one Caracas out and you could still crop rotate for another Caracas after you've tapped one out. Uh, and just getting that natural draw, I think, would be good. Uh, show and tell is devastating, I think, or at least enough of a problem that it's fifty fifty or you know fifty five in their favor. Uh, I was running three duress and four thoughtsies. I'd probably go four thoughtsies, three duress, and probably two inquisitions, or one inquisition and one him, just because him is so backbreaking. Um, and I feel like just having that available, uh, I think, just hedges up some of the games. Uh, I had four leyline of the void in my sideboard, which really didn't put in much work. I never saw reanimator. I never saw uh, miracles. Uh, not that it matters against them, but there's just a lot of decks I'd kind of prepared for that everyone was saying you're going to see, and I did not see. And uh, I think that, you know, like just from the whole GP experience in general, I think it's just best to expect the unexpected it, like until like round six or seven. Like round, yeah. round yeah. six or seven is when you're actually going to be – like even in round five, you might just face Merfolk, you know, and like mm. – and that's not even going to be that crazy of a thing to happen. So you, yeah. you kind of have to be ready for that as well. Um, and the field was pretty large. It, you know, like you can kind of like capsize on the top 32, but like as far as the tables were going and even people up pretty high in the ranks, it was still really diverse. You could just kind of face anything for quite a while. Um, yeah. So it's definitely like, and kind of going back to what Josh was saying too, where, you know, we see a lot of Chalice in our area and et cetera. Like your local meta is, is, is like, you really have to kind of distance your mind from your local meta. And you really have to kind of distance your mind from what a lot of people are telling you and just, again, be ready for anything. Uh, Cause it, it was, it was a pretty large field. Um, yeah. I never saw death and taxes, never saw lands, never saw miracles. Uh, never saw Black Red Reanimator. Uh, that's a lot of the big threat decks, you know. Uh, I wasn't expecting to play against Tess twice. You know? Yeah, yeah, you don't ever see it in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. hardly, hardly ever, anyway. Somebody's stupid. Yeah. So I think that's the one thing is kind of just taking uh, note on the whole event as a whole. I mean, the whole event kind of just you know, how to approach, you know, running that many rounds and kind of really what to, where to put your mind as far as what you're expecting to see. Did you see, I mean, I, you know, when you look at the top 32, you know, 28 of the 32 decks ran brainstorm. There was basically nothing new in the top 32 except for 
Duke Reed's deck, which we've all experienced as Wu Tang's uh, true name troll troll nemesis deck. But uh, you know, outside of that, it was pretty much all chalk, as they say in college basketball. But like, I was I I always think, and I don't know how true it is in the early rounds, the non buy rounds is where you get the most off the wall stuff. Like GPs I've gone to before, I've played against, you know, slivers, Clark's thumb, uh, <laughs> you know, el- a fucking elemental combo, um, cephalid breakfast, just like whack ball, you know, shit that you see in the first few rounds. Cause a lot of people just come and play like the deck that they like and have sleeved up and they don't really give a shit. And so, you know, like, the difference between having the buy and not having the buy, at least for me, probably would have impacted my deck decision. But I, you know, the fact that neither of you really saw miracles, you know, seems seems almost nuts. But yeah, I mean, I think you just have to be reliant that your deck can beat out in a weirdo. I mean, there's always that occasion that they just are packing silver bullets just out of random occurrence. But, you know, entering a GP, your deck should be strong enough to take out a weirdo deck. You should be able to pilot it better than that person as well. I did outplay my Clark's Thumb opponent and my uh, <laughs> my elemental combo opponent as well. I beat my stuffy doll opponent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, what Evan said about, like, that's my plan kind of for the early rounds is just assume that the dredge burn – whatever player that I'm playing against is just terrible and I'm better than them. And generally it's fine, I guess. I don't know. I played against Deathblade and Shardless Bug my first two rounds, which was not something I totally expected to play against the first two rounds, but it was just kind of, I know the Deathblade guy said he hasn't played Legacy in years. So after he just went land, brainstorm, go, I was like, oh, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're playing Legacy every week, and, like, a lot of, a lot of these guys are, like, not – like, they just have nothing to do with the format. And some of them are just, like, you know, they're for shits and giggles. And I think if you go there with a confident attitude in those first rounds, it, it really helps out. Like, you know, I'll be able to get this by. It's fine. And, you know, or, you know, this guy's not really going to fully understand what I'm going to do here. And let's just go for it. Yeah, um, guys – one of the guys that talked to me after round one is a guy from the source. He's like posted on the dead guy thread. And he said that his opponent was like a kid who drove up there with his friend. Didn't even have a DCI number. The judge came up to him mid match. and was like, how did you get in this event? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Anyway. So, um, the top eight was pretty much chalk as far as like decks go. And then, um, uh, uh, Duke Reed had his quad true name Wu Tang special, um, which I guess lined up against you know the hodgepodge of creature decks that he probably faced all day. Seems like it's got you know it might be a little soft. He lost I think now there's no coverage so we're all just guessing exactly what happened here. But I think he lost game two of the finals to Black Red Reanimator um, because I don't think his deck can actually beat Elish Norn. Uh, <laughs> So, um, but, you know, a great choice for a field of, you know, random creature decks. Like, I, I would find it hard to believe that Death and Taxes could consistently beat eight mana dorks into turn two true name, right? Like, uh, 
the average internet death and taxes list, like they have to just race it, right? He has baleful strikes, right? Is that probably? Uh, Does he have flying protection? Oh, is is he running Baleful Strix in his list? No, he's not. No, no. I think the only thing he's got like two Leovolds and a Tarmogoyf would be the only thing that would survive Elishnorn. And then uh, maybe his board has. No, his board doesn't even have Baleful Strix. He's just running three Jaces. He's running the Wu Tang special of eight mana dorks and four true name Nemesis. And then two Leovolds. The Gentleman's Jit. It's basically, you know, bug control. Right. He's playing a respectable amount of lands, 21, a Sylvan, and eight mana dorks. So TNT is probably trying to fly over with equipment, I guess. Yeah, exactly. They have to race it, right? But a yeah, true name, he's got four exalteds and a true name. It, it can be a pretty daunting clock sometimes. Um, it looks like his sideboard was hedged against combo. He's got double mind break trap, another thought seize, two fluster storms. Um, against combo. But other than that, I, he also has three J's, which I guess if you're going to play eight mana dorks, the decision there is like, Oh, what am I going to do with all this extra mana? Um, so I'll bet he powered out a non-zero number of fast Jace's, which probably helps him a lot against miracles where his true name is basically trained Armadon. So, um, interesting deck, but it's still the core. I don't know. Of brainstorm, force of will, ponder, days. I mean, he's just the kill condition changes. It's you know, he only played three ponder. It's it's totally different, man. Sorry, that is quite an innovation, and I'm sure he played very well and thus uh, won the tournament. And then, uh, yeah, the rest of the top eight isn't every single deck we're used to seeing with nothing particularly interesting. There was a lot of talk about uh, Aluren being this deck to beat and. I didn't think that it was going to have much of an impact because I don't think, as you guys pointed out, the average guy walk, walking up to the gate and signing up for this tournament even knows what a learn does. So, as it turns out, it wasn't that big of a deal. So, yeah, a lot of these decks are kind of the decks that were, you know, heavily represented. Uh, yeah, just, a, you know, a death and taxes deck was going to make it right. Like, there's just so much of it in the field. Right. Um, but still, I mean. A big GP and only four decks in the top 32 didn't run Brainstorm. I I don't remember if they published th- top 32 for Chiba, but, I mean, that is just... It's pretty absurd. It's fucking absurd. 28 of 32, that's like 86%. Survival didn't even fucking remotely touch that. I mean, the only... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only... Time uh, mental misstep came close. GP Providence was GP mental misstep. Uh, I don't even know if they published top 32s for that. The top eight was seven of eight mental misstep, I think. But you know, th- th- this at some point they have to. I don't. I don't know. Like what if if all 32 decks had four brainstorms? Would it even matter at this point? I mean, that that would just be four more decks. It wouldn't be that crazy. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I've been. I was talking to somebody on the internet because I'm an idiot, and they were like, "Well, brainstorm is, you know, pillar of the format." And I'm like, "If brainstorm is a pillar of the format, like you say, then there's one pillar of the format, and that is brainstorm, right?" Like, yeah, I just can't. I I just wonder what it would take. 
if, if 28 of 32 isn't going to do it, 86%, you're just, I mean, you have a 56 card format or a 71 card format. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what more to say about it other than people are fucking crazy. Like, or Wizards just doesn't give a shit. I, I, I don't know. One mana, like, nuke you from drawing extra cards and with Flash, basically. Yeah, the hate card would have to be so... I mean, we've got Spirit of the Labyrinth. We've got... Well, now we have this stupid mirror card, like we have Leovold, where one Brainstorm player, like, gets his Leovold down first so the other guy can't Brainstorm. But, like... Yeah, it would have to be my invitational card of Priest of Mephistopheles, the you know one three black black flash chains of Mephistopheles human cleric, to where like oh you like mind twist yourself if it gets flashed in response. I don't and you know what I don't even think it would matter because people would just like oh well I'll you know they would start to play around it or they'd have swords snapcaster swords or maybe like your opponent draws three cards or more you may. Hey, this you may cast this spell for no cost, and like notion thief your opponent or something. It just has to be absurd. There's a storm seeker that says that. That's a trap card. Like hmm. that literally storm seekers their fucking face. It, it's a storm seeker for one red. If an opponent drew three or more cards this turn, you get to storm seeker them, and I mean, no one's even considering playing that card. Dude, we got to get on that tech. <laughs> I mean, I would love to rune flare trap somebody in the face, but like, I don't know, man. It's kicking the nuts for me is that like the most playable, you know, hoser card of all those that we named is also blue, being Leovold. So oh, now the blue decks just adopt it, and it's Leovold's absurd, not only because he hoses things, but because of his other ability. Oh, I, I mean, I love Leovold. I, I played him. Dude, I got him the second he was out. I bought him as soon as possible. I played him twice, I think. You know, in the I played him at Vintage Champs. Uh, I played him in Legacy with Cephalid Coliseum, and now Wilfro is addicted to that deck. But like, it's blue. You know, I've got. I'm gonna play Brainstorm along with it because I want to shuffle back extra Leovold. It's just so. It's so homogenizing. The card. The card just makes deck construction so trivial at this point. I, I don't know. It's fucking miserable. I mean, everything that can be said about Brainstorm that's already been said is it's already fucking been said. But that does bring us to the ban, uh, ban and restricted rundown, right? Uh, I want to take one more, maybe one more step back. So so we have a GP, a legacy GP. It's, it's very early in the year. Obviously, it's like the first week of the year. We have one other quote-unquote legacy GP this year, which is actually the Thursday of GP Vegas. And then there are no other legacy GPs for the entire year. Like, this GP feels like it was in 2016, to be honest, right? It's like New Year's week. Right. Literally, literally no no legacy GPs. I, I'm going to make a statement now and say that 2018, there will be no standalone legacy GPs. It'll just be like a one GP Vegas type thing where it's along yeah. with three others or whatever. Yeah. Or they might do. I would. I would imagine that they would do multi. They'd do like three mixed events. You know, like they or like maybe four. Like just like a quarterly thing, or I don't know. Like I feel like they try to do like okay, we're gonna do like our standard modern legacy thing. Like instead of giving legacy, you know, two GPs or whatever, they just blend them in with some other ones. And I feel like that would be 
kind of like a better pace than just trying to drop it off. I think they're still they still be facing like a pretty big shit show if they just dropped it for 2018. I think they're going to drop it for 2018, and they're going to have one big weekend like Vegas because the the tos want it because it just draws people. And then I think they're going to point to the two eternal weekends, which now sit on opposite ends of the year, and say that and say there's your legacy tournament. I honestly think that's the case. I mean, they took such a shit. They went out of their way to, to make sure no, this thing had no coverage. I, I don't think we're going to have any legacy GPs in 2018. I don't. I don't. Ca- I don't particularly care, but uh, that's my guess. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm wrong, but I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't just continue down this path. Yeah, I, I do hope you're wrong because it's it would really suck. I mean. I do kind of regret playing it. I wish I would have just kind of done side events, but it was a great experience the day two and everything. So and it would just suck to see it die in general. The guys from the Salt Mine podcast brought up a good point, which is like, no matter how cool you know, uh, a Tales of Adventure Eternal Extravaganza is, or even an even an Eternal Weekend, you know, Legacy Top Eight is. There's just something about winning a GP, top eighting a GP in Legacy, and then like declining the Pro Tour invite. That well, that's just, the biggest part <laughs> is the decline. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, none of those other events can top that. Like it, it's 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 he he compared it to the Olympics. It's like you know this was the Olympics of Legacy. There is no. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, this is the Olympics of Legacy. There's no, there's no pro pro tour Legacy. There's no, pro, you know what I mean. This was the Legacy. Le, this was Legacy's highest level event. And if they don't do any more GPS, it's almost like it's it illegitimizes, you know, Legacy as a high level format in some in some respects. It almost makes it more of a community format. It's something that people do in dark rooms. I mean, Vintage sort of had that happen to it. You know, it's. It's obviously not supported at the GP level. There's no vintage GPs. There's no vintage Pro Tours. So some people look at vintage as, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's just community driven. It has no path upward. You know, at least Legacy had a couple of GPs and it could be taken seriously as a path to the Pro Tour. Not that any of us on the cast necessarily want to play in the Pro Tour, but losing the GP would make it, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people would be bummed out about it, you know. I think we I mean, we only had one in the USA the previous year, right? Uh, Seattle, we, that was it. So now we have at least – I mean, technically we have Louisville and uh, – now Vegas. Yeah. But I'm saying you have two, like, 2018, I think there's going to be no dedicated – no dedicated – so we go from 1 to 1.5 to 0 then. No, I think they'll do 0. 0.5. I think oh, they'll keep I see. I see what Yeah, they'll keep this Vegas thing because it looks like they want to start to maybe make this a yearly thing. So we'll get legacy on one of those days and uh it makes sense, you know, like you've got more affluent people playing eternal formats, they can afford to go to Vegas and spend money and get a hotel and have it be a vacation. And so they'll throw us that bone. And then we now we have Eternal Weekend spaced out on opposite sides of the year. So Europe gets their tournament. Uh, and we get our tournament here for Eternal Weekend. And, you know, Asia gets just absolutely donkey fucked. Um, 
which is kind of a shame because Chiba was um, – I don't think we've cast since I came back from Chiba, but, like, Chiba was run magnificently. You know, that GP was amazing. And Organizer did a fantastic job. Um, I played Legacy out there in Japan. It was awesome. Um, and it would be a shame for Japan to never get a Legacy GP again because – they really got into it and um, really got it. got a lot of new players out. There was a ton of new new players with new cards out in the first few rounds, but I, I don't see it. I don't I don't see it going forward. Anyway, so we also had a ban and restricted update. And in previous ban and restricted announcements, uh, Legacy and Vintage have had the tagline "Legacy, no changes." We didn't even get acknowledgement that the format exists anymore. In this banner restricted announcement, it just says it like they don't exist. There's no acknowledgement of the format. Yeah, it's pretty strange that they didn't say anything about you know no changes, legacy, vintage, no changes. Is there a they just skipped ahead, you know? Is there a chance that they just said nothing because they didn't emergency like that. Maybe this was just the emergency ban that they needed to get in, and then next weekend they'll say no changes. I mean, I maybe, yeah, maybe there's a templating error, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, I guess the the devil's advocate of it is that either this is an emergency issuement, or they have, or they're just focusing on the formats that are having an emergency ban. Yeah, it definitely was a it w- was an emergency ban, so so you're probably right. Um, the other thing they announced was there's a new cadence for announcements. So like, you know, whereas whereas before it was announcement, and then on they were gonna they were gonna set it to the set release. You know now now you're gonna have eight announcements a year, right? Because they're gonna do it five weeks prior to the pro tour, and then on the set release. So. I think that's a net positive. Like more chances for them to correct things can't be bad, I guess. Even though they're fucking. Right. Well, I agree. Oh, Josh, I I agree with you. I just don't know. Like, like I can't see them saying, "Oh, this week we're gonna ban this and this, and next week we'll unban this for legacy." I think it's it might even be a thing of like we're gonna ban this and then right after the Pro Tour, we're going to unban it or something because we didn't want it to dominate the Pro Tour. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I feel like it was weird. Like, when I was looking at the the, was it the mage guy, the reflective bounce mage, like, yeah. banning him seemed a little, like, aggressive to me. So I guess, like, my only, like, sense of caution is that, you know, it, it, there's a chance that they might ban or unban things faster now just because they seemed – a little more touchy at this point. Now that might be based on, you know, whatever community feedback they got on how yeah. standard it is. You yeah. Know? I think the feedback from people on standard was that they would rather put their ball sacks in a fucking Vitamix than play standard. Like standard attendance was just plunging. And I, yeah, for me, why is a three mana main phase f- fucking mana war bannable? I, I don't know. I wouldn't like that. Definitely makes me never want to play standard. But, maybe, there's, maybe there's a card coming out that they know about that we don't. That well, that's weird because they didn't preemptively ban this the two card. Com- there's going to be a two card infinite combo as great you know, vintage. Greg Krager has been raging about on the internet in standard. Like so, there's some fucking 
advisor hog ox camel thing that flickers a permanent you control for three and a white. And so there's right. the, the Indian planeswalker that is bad, but can make a copy with haste. So it's a two card combo that makes infinite, o- whatever they are, camel, ox, cat warriors. I don't even know. Yeah, what is that thing? Shitty splinter twin. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. It's shitty splinter twin, basically. Right. Oh, I see. So you bounce the planeswalker. Flicker it. Even better. Okay. Yeah. And then you, okay, yeah, just get infinite dudes. Yep. The the other, I mean, you could combo with it in vintage with Sun Titan. Um, but, you know, or I guess you could combo with Sun, Sun Titan full stop. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting, that it's, but to put it in perspective, we're recording this podcast on January 10th, and we have another band of restricted announcement March 13th. So that's coming up, like, really fast. Right, right. Yeah. You know? Like I said, I think the big thing is, like, they might be doing this maybe so they can shape formats at the Pro Tour to look different from what everybody else's normal average standard could be. Like, they'll ban these three cards just for the Pro Tour so it's not – doesn't make the format look bad by putting eight of the same deck in the top eight, and yeah. then right after that they can unban it back or whatever. I think they're. I, I think they might use it just to shape the formats more how they want. That yeah. makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, like the stigma of of banning and not and unbanning cards, like it being such a big deal, seems to not be in place right now. Like as far as these three cards and standard, or at least one of them seems out of place for being banned. So it seems like they're 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 either they kind of want to test less and just kind of do stuff, or they just want to have more of a grip on it and, sh- and like be able to shake it up at a moment's notice and then to let players know that they have that sort of control over the set and that things might just change in a crazy way. Uh, and if people are okay with that, um, then you know they'll have that luxury. Now the issue is is that the values are going to change in you know, Magic's collectible card game. This is where the mythic rarity thing is just the giant shaft in the fucking mouth. Because <laughs> if you're some fucking standard plebe and like you mow lawns to buy money, well, for, get money for fucking magic cards, and like a four of mythic that costs you a hundred bucks gets banned, that's that's what fucking blows. I wonder how much of that's going to factor into like you know some of these. Sta- it's for standard only, obviously, but like this is where the mythic rarity is just stupid, you know. Because it, the f- flexibility of banning cards in standard and crushing some poor fucking child's investment in Emrakul the Promise End, he just gets destroyed, you know? Does that mean like some little like shit kid is, opens up a pack and they get Emrakul and it's like the the staple of the set or like, you know, it's like the main character and like this prized card that's a mythic. It's on like the posters for the set. And it's like, no, you can't play with that. Yeah, it's awesome. And then we trade for it because he's playable in vintage. (laughs) There you go, kid. Give me that fucking Emrakul. Same with the the fucking smuggler smuggler copter, wasn't that? That was was like the priciest non-mythic. They banned the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of good, though, because I want some for Legacy. I have a bunch of them. They're fucking sick. They're pretty sick looking. I I haven't gotten a chance to play them yet, but... Yeah, so, and then Modern, they banned Probe, and they banned Grave Troll, which I think is fine. I played a little bit of Modern when I was over in Asia. I played in Taiwan, and that format is just a bad joke. I mean, Cretaxian Probe's like plus one mana 
free card, perfect information for this fucking pre-con child's giant growth deck called Infect, and thus makes the deck... I mean, you can be just an absolute three-legged fucking pack mule, and you can play that deck. You just get... <laughs> Perfect information. Fetch, fetch. There's a free giant growth, a free probe. You know exactly what your opponent has in their hand, and all your mana is free. And you just attack like a monkey and cast become immense. It's embarrassing. So I'm kind of glad they banned it. I wish they'd fucking ban Phyrexian mana from all of Magic, but I don't think I'll be that lucky in my lifetime. <clears throat> anyway. All right. Well, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more... Uh, regular chance to bitch and vent about the ban list. And um, I think we all kind of agree. And we've hashed on this podcast a million times over that there are three or four cards that could easily come off the legacy ban list. And I don't think it's worth rehashing how bad mind twist goblin recruiter or Earthcraft are compared to having somebody show until grizzle brand against you, but it'll give them more opportunities to correct those errors. So maybe they'll actually start on banning some stuff. That's always the argument. It's just fucking show and tell Gristlebrand. <laughs> Everyone just shut the fuck up about Mind Twist, Earthcraft, Goblin Recruiter. It's like you can show and tell. You can go Lotus Petal, Soul Land, show and tell, <laughs> draw seven, fuck you, draw another seven, fuck you. You know, fucking force your shit. Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Soul Land. Sneak attack, Lotus Petal. <laughs> fuck you. Let's just allow eight fucking Lotus Petal. And then you'll be like, no, you can't play Mind Twist. Oh, but you can make <laughs> infinite squirrels. It's 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 it's, it's a two-card combo with Earth. Don't you know? Dark ritual, dark ritual, mind twist. It's too but, powerful. But, but it's gonna take you too long to stock your deck of goblins. Meanwhile, you have fucking Captain Glacier fucking what's his face playing loot. Fucking miracles taking thirty six years to fucking resolve his top, <laughs> oh. or fucking ZA resolving ad nauseum while the fucking glaciers thaw. I mean, it's oh. just insane. <laughs> top, 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 top. You know, fun. I'd give up. I'd be fine with frantic search. You can even take another blue card off. Who the fuck would play frantic search now? Yeah, fuck that card. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit right now. So who cares? Right, High Tide is a fucking complete piece of shit because people just resolve counterbalance and your whole deck is just a, a fucking pile of shit. Also, hey, hey, High Tide deck, here's Leovold. Suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> nice fucking time spiral, you fucking, you fucking chode. <laughs> I mean, that deck's a joke, you know, and, and Frantic Search is banned. Yeah, it's just fucking pathetic, you know. Anyway, hopefully they'll take one of those off. I, I don't know which one. I, they're all pretty shitty. I don't know which one come off first. To me, Mind Twist seems like the safest. It just reminds me of Black Vice. I know it's just going to do nothing. Nothing. Maybe, nothing. Uh, maybe the five weeks will let them have the ability to, you know, unban something. And if over the five weeks, Mind Twist re-bans because there's no legacy GPs and people bitch about it, they can just reban it in five weeks. Dude, the next Tuskvitational, if nothing has happened... Dude, Mind Twist, Earthcraft, Goblin Recruiter, Frantic Search, all unbanned. I'm down. You know, yeah, just I'm down. Do your worst. You can probably you, you can even proxy those cards. I don't I'll, care. I'll, uh, I'll play Earthcraft, Mind Twist, Chantress. <laughs> yeah, and we you'll get fucking destroyed by some like fucking General So drunk on Bug Delver. You know? <laughs> what about Channel? Uh, you know. 
I think because of the Eldrazi. I mean, I think it's probably not safe regardless, but the Eldrazi make it absolutely not safe. Yeah, so like, guides. right, because you could, you know, you used to be able to go for a spirit guide. You'd need another, you'd need another mana to fireball somebody, right? Or I guess you'd use one of the better fireballs. You'd probably disintegrate people, but the internet would use the better fireballs now, like uh, Banefire or Caravix Torch. But like the fact that Emrakul exists, a channel can never be unrestricted or unbanned because Spirit Guide, Forest, Emrakul can't be countered. I take a turn and I just kill you. Dude, I want to disintegrate a show and tell player so bad. I've had the pleasure of playing value enchantress and having city of solitude out. And like at the time, the best deck was rug natural order. And I bane fired a rug natural order player for like 155 or something. <laughs> All right. So uh, the set's fully spoiled, but I don't have the patience for a set review, but maybe the next podcast we'll try to do a uh, set review. There's definitely some good cards in the set. So um, there's some stuff that's worth talking about. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks to all the people who came at the GP and said hello. Um, I know I met three or four of you. I don't remember your names, but um, thanks for coming up to us and supporting the podcast, and uh, we hope to see you at future events. There's one more thing that I want to say. That there's yeah. I don't know if you guys had barbecue there at their little stands. Uh, I got one pork <laughs> sandwich there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't – yeah, That's- yeah. That pork burger was brutal. <laughs> in terms of going in or going out, it was salty as a fucking, like. It was, just, it was weird, man. And then, like, Iman from Cairo, we were leaving to catch the shuttle bus, and he bought a bratwurst, and it just looked like a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, thought like, we were gonna get, I thought we were going to get, like, farm-fresh food. I mean, they're, they're lit- there's literally livestock 200 yards away being sold on the other side. And you give me a bratwurst that looks like a month-old penis. And it's like, why can't I get some fresh? <laughs> why can't I get some fresh meat? I had good barbecue. It wasn't in Louisville. My consolation prize for going eight and four and day twoing was a, a cone of ice cream that I got. So, yeah. <laughs> and like a, a fucking two-hour-long wait for pizza, right? Like that was – oh, no, no, wait. That oh. wasn't Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Saturday night oh, was man. the fucking marathon oh, pizza. God, dude. The Pog waitress. Yeah. I mean, we could have walked to a Kroger, bought the DiGiorno that they put in the oven there, and like warmed it with our farts, before, like faster <laughs> than they could actually cook it. Uh, that sucked. I, the food in Nashville was amazing, but uh, Louisville is a failure. Well, I'm sorry, Louisville. That convention center is a fucking failure, man. It is just desolate, fucking hobo. You know, hobo infested grounds all around it train tracks and it's just brutal that whole area just looks like a giant crack house (laughs) anyway all right well thanks everybody and uh uh we'll see you next time yep thanks thanks guys
Time will tell